0: Our guest began on a family farm, growing cotton, tobacco, watermelon, and peanuts. Today, he serves as the chief administrative officer for an important state farm bureau. Join us as we explore how to defend and protect the vital agriculture industry and family farms. Participate, engage, speak out,
1: use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices and Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard.
0: Welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast, and I hope you're enjoying season four. I'm Roger Rickard, president and Founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This podcast is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts for their organizations, be they corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups now let's get started on today's show we speak with jeffrey harvey the chief administrative officer for the georgia farm bureau companies now in this role harvey works with the farm bureau president and senior leadership to develop and implement the company's strategic management plan he also oversees the day-to-day functions of the company before being appointed as cao Jeffrey managed the Georgia Farm Bureau, state and national lobbying efforts. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome Jeffrey Harvey to today's show. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you, Mr. Roger. Uh, I appreciate that
1: that uh, warm uh, introduction and reception. It's an honor to be with you today, so thank you.
0: Well, Jeffrey, the pleasure is mine and, and you're a first because it's the first time I've been called Mr. Roger on the show so (laughs) I greatly appreciate that
1: my mother would not be happy she would not be proud of me if
0: I didn't uh have my manners today so thank you that I am sure of and she can be mighty proud hey you you grew up on a family farm so tell us a little bit about that experience oh it, it was great
1: um I Well, as anyone who's grown up on the farm, they later in life appreciate the lessons and the work ethic that you learn. Maybe as a child and growing up, I didn't have the same level of appreciation part because it was hard work. Um, But it was uh, I wouldn't have wouldn't change it. I've I've got an eight year old son and he's going to be a a city boy. Uh, And I kind of hate that he's not going to get to experience some of the things that I did. Growing up, but it was, it was great. Uh, just bonding with family and working with my brothers, and you know the days were long and tough, but uh, we learned so much from it. And um, it's funny, just yesterday I was telling one of my colleagues. You know, we were talking about uh, we rode by a cattle cattle farm, and uh, we were talking about the various cows. And you know, I admit my knowledge of all the different breeds and. Uh, are are limited but i told him i, I knew a lot about those t posts and how to drive them into the ground and <laughs> i knew a lot about grinding cow feed in the summer so maybe that started my experience in agriculture is the hard work and um you know i went off to school to uh, pursue a business degree and then somehow i just life uh, happens and i end up back here at farm bureau and it's it's been the the greatest blessing that i i I can uh, ever wish for. I've enjoyed my twenty years here.
0: Well, you know, it's it's funny. The first thing I stuck on when you were, were saying that was bonding with your brothers, uh, <laughs> a, a, a shared, maybe painful experience of the hard work together that that you had to do, and uh, taking care of the fence and driving those fence posts and 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 doing the feed and everything else. It, uh, I think it's a good quality experience. Uh, mine was not quite the same but yet it had certain components because my father was raised on a farm and so um, i was taught that discipline very very early or or else yes yeah so you began you said now 20 years with farm bureau you began with georgia farm bureau as a legislative specialist and then later uh, basically ran its public policy as the public policy director now, how does that background inform you on the decisions you have to make now as the, the CAO in your role with Georgia Farm Bureau? I,
1: I think it, it really prepared me for what I'm, I'm still learning to do now. I've, I've been in this role officially since December, um, and our previous CAO retired the end of January, uh, John Huffmaster. And, you know, John's uh, kind of like a father to me, so I, I, I jokingly say that, you know, I probably know more about John than anybody uh, else at Farm Bureau, so I, he successfully did this job. He successfully did my former job because he hired me back in 2001 as that legislative specialist and really taught me everything I know about Farm Bureau and about the legislative process and just learning as you go. Uh, for your listeners and for you as well, we all know that the stuff that happens at the Capitol—they don't teach you that in in school. <laughs> you have to learn. You learn. You try to you try to uh, partner with people who would help, serve as a mentor to you, and teach you the ropes and keep you out of trouble. And and uh, I had those type of mentor, mentors at the state capital is. And John was that mentor for me at Farm Bureau, because you, for those of you listening who are familiar with Farm Bureau, you can get in just as much trouble uh, within the organization if, as you could at the state capitol. So he he uh, taught me the ropes here and, and taught me how to run that uh, public policy department. And I really enjoyed that work. It was so much fun and so rewarding. And it taught me an appreciation of the farmer members and the real reason why we're here and why we're founded. Uh, a lot of people know us as an insurance company, but that because that's a very valuable service we provide to a lot of members. But we were founded in 1937 to be that voice of the farmer. And uh, that every day that I walked into that capital, I, I felt the weight of our 40,000 farmers here on my shoulders that I was their spokesman And I was their voice, and I was the roadblock for anything bad that was coming through legislatively uh, to keep that from hitting them on the farm. And, you know, that childhood experience and growing up on the farm, I always related our members to my dad or my grandfather, my great-grandfather. Those are the type of people that we represent, and I didn't want to let them down. So I enjoyed it.
0: You know, there, there, there are a couple of things there. First of all, talking about the weight of having the 40,000 farmers on your shoulders. A lot of people assume that when we go in and we advocate or we lobby on behalf of something, it's always like we have our handout. We want something. And that's not necessarily always the truth at all. It's more of, hey, please don't hurt us. Please don't <laughs> do anything that's detrimental that you may not realize at the time is detrimental to the farm because you're trying to do something else that's positive. And uh, and it's that educational process. uh, And I was kind of chuckling to myself because it reminded me when you said what you don't learn in school, it reminded me of, uh, I worked in the center of Pennsylvania as a young man and boy, do your eyes get opened quickly. And I mean, literally like day three after I figured (laughs) out where my desk was, and where to go to get lunch after that? Uh, it, boy, uh, you wake up real quick to the activity that's that's going on in the tug and pull of all different types of people.
1: Right. Yeah. And you'd say to yourself, well, they didn't teach me that in Polysol 101. So,
0: <laughs> or 201 um, or 301 or 401. Right. I mean, right. it's, a, it's a different thing. So, with that, and and having had John as your mentor the whole way through all this process, what are you the biggest challenges that you have today in your job? I think
1: the biggest challenge is probably membership. Um, that that's about. I just left from a membership meeting uh, actually to come join the podcast, and it's something that's always on our mind. We are a membership organization. And the challenge, uh, and I'm sure other associations feel under, understand this, uh, this complaint or this struggle is that we provide a very valuable service and we're the eyes and ears for many members at State Capitol and we're that safeguard where we're trying to keep the bad things from happening. And a lot of times if we do our job well, you never even know that this was a concern. Um, and And we take pride in that. And we, you know, there's the, those occasions where we do pass legislation, and um, you know, we celebrate that. But there's so many things that we work on and we gauge on that never, never surfaces, and and that's by design. Um, so that, that, and maybe I need. I think backup. you're right. I, I mean, I,
0: but, I I think you're absolutely right. Membership's always a concern, a because that's who you're serving. And right. so, one way or the other, you want to be able to serve them correctly and meet their needs, uh, so that it validates their engagement and their involvement as a as a member of your organization. Right, and then
1: maybe in today's society, uh, people want something that's tangible, and you know we're we're providing this service, and you may or may not see the benefits of it immediately, um, and and even within farmers, uh, you know, trying to can convince them that we, you need to help support this, it's $35 a year. Uh, I mean, some of the, the programs that we've implemented in the state of Georgia, uh, our gate program, for example, we've got a sales tax exemption program for all ag inputs. And I mentioned John earlier, when we, were, we, we reformed that bill back in 2011 or 12, John wrote it at his desk. <laughs> the majority of the bill, he he wrote, and I sat beside him while he did it. And that bill pr- puts money directly back into farmers' pockets, seven cents on every dollar that they spend on equipment, seed, feed, fertilizer, uh, and fertilizer is, is crazy as crazy as it is right now, how expensive it is. Every dollar they, they spend, they save seven cents. And if that program wasn't put in place and and protected by Farm Bureau on an annual basis, because there's people in other parts of the state that are always gunning for that. Um, you know, if we were, were not protecting that, then it wouldn't be available. And just trying to convince uh, even farmer members the value of, of being engaged and being a part of our organization, because we work to save those things that you benefit from, it's is, is difficult. It's always a challenge.
0: So, so basically, depending on the size of the farm. I mean, that could be tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings. And you're asking for $35 uh, to, to be a part of that. And the ability right. to quantify what that amount is that uh, to me, that's a no brainer. Uh, uh, right. So can you come and get me seven cents on the dollar for everything <laughs> I expend to try to run my business? I, I, I'd like that a lot.
1: But you may may need to move it down to Georgia, and we can uh, we can get you a gate card uh, as long as you qualify. <laughs> so okay, I'll work hard. To, to I'll work hard here. to
0: qualify. <laughs> so, so we're talking about influence here, and, and the ability to be able to do that. Why is political influence so important to the family farm? I mean, you gave a great example there with just that one bill. Can you yeah. give me another example? of that?
1: Oh, well, as far as programs, I could I could probably. Go even further. Um, We've, you know, a lot of the things we've worked on over the years um, and also we massage the programs over time, which I've had a hand in. Some of these things were put in place, like the, the CUVA program, our conservation use program. As farmers, we're land rich. It, you know, by the nature of the business, we we need a lot of land to operate or rent a lot of land. And property taxes continue to go up. Values of the value of land is going up, and it's a good problem to have until the tax bill comes. In the late 90s, um, and almost every year, there's something to do. We're either fighting a bill that might hurt our conservation use program or help it. But the program essentially says if you pledge that you will not put a shopping center on your farm for the next 10 years, then we will value that property at its use value versus its fair market value. And that program alone, you know, you sign up for this 10 year period of time, it would return tens of thousands of dollars for to you. Uh, Farm Bureau helped lead the constitutional amendment in the nineties to put that in place. And again, every year patrolling to make sure nothing bad happens. Um, Water related issues, um, our most recent victory, we had a bill signed and uh, the governor signed the bill last week, was uh, an update to our right to farm legislation. Uh, We've saw this in North Carolina and a number of the other states where um, I think your environmental groups have partnered up with your trial lawyers and they have seen an opportunity to go after something that's very subjective, nuisance, sound, smells, dust, things like that things that are just very uh, common occurrences on the farm and people that move in next to them, soon as they wanna live by the farm until they actually do. And they realize there's some things that go on they they were not aware of. And then I'm not gonna move back out of the country, I'm gonna shut you down. And uh, we've seen this all over the country and it had ramped up here in Georgia. We fought for that legislation for I know three years and uh, we celebrated the, that passage this year and signed the bill last week. So it's those type of things, and and for a lot of farmers, probably a lot of these are problems they don't even know it exist, and we try to get ahead of them before they're a real problem. Um, and that's just to just a couple of examples. I could probably go all day on those. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you know, I I had the privilege of speaking to your county presidents. Uh, in early February and I know a week later you were going to the uh, state capitol to to lobby on tell people how many people you brought uh, roughly brought to the state capitol that week
1: we had it was one of our best turnouts uh, in my my tenure at Farm Bureau I know we had over 600 people there Um, and we we converge uh, from all of our counties. We've got 159 counties in the state and uh, members from every, almost every county attended. And uh, our, our whole goal is, you know, we'll bring them in and we'll give them a little orientation that morning on the, on the key issues. And we encourage them to go talk to their elected officials, their, their House members and senators, and uh, just work on those issues. And we come back and at lunch. We have keynote addresses from the governor and our ag commissioner and our chairman of our House and Senate ag committees. And it's just even some of we get get the question regularly. Okay, we brought 600 people here. It it costs money to do that. What do we get from that? And I I would answer this question that. There there are no other groups that I've witnessed in the state of Georgia that bring 600 people to the Capitol on their own dime. Now, I, a lot of other organizations have paid employees. It's like a day off for them. They're still getting paid to go and to advocate. Our members are coming on their own dime. They're taking time away from their farm to come. That, that sends a message. And I think the legislators recognize that. And if nothing else, the perception of of how strong the ag industry is in our state, uh, that's worth the money.
0: Yeah, and, and by having people from every county, that your 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 ability to have a touch point with every single member really matters and to be able to get that that's message right. out. Uh, I, w- I was blown away by that. And and, and by the way, as we mentioned that I was there at your meeting uh, about a week prior to that, uh, <laughs> you, know, you had the people that were at that meeting writing the notes uh, and the postcards yes. and getting ready for that. And I'm coming to see you and I'll, you know, and I'll, right. I'll, I'll see you and have an opportunity to chat with you. That carries an awful lot of weight as well.
1: Since, since you mentioned that, uh, I wish I had a screenshot I could throw up here, but we took those postcards and we delivered those to our house and Senate ag committee chairman. And when we got the bills to the full floor of both chambers, those chairmen took those cards and, I mean, a couple hundred of those and stood in the well and hold them up. And we've got photos of him holding our cards up, making his speech as to why this is important. And, you know, that's the message we've got to reassure our members as well. You know, they we ask them to do these things and they do them and, you know, did we get Big any benefit wonder,
0: Yeah. And, and from time to time, they wonder, well, is this effective, or is this just a, a dog and pony show? And, and yet right. we we all know the the power and the effectiveness of that, and that's a different form of messaging. But it also gives them a great opportunity to tell their personal story of that's things right. that are going on. And, and even if it's just to say to them, listen, this is my farm. This is what I do. This is the size. This is the number of herd. This is, you know... The yield from the crop, whatever whatever they add to that equation, makes makes it great. So, how important is that personal storytelling?
1: It's it's tremendous. And what, and I know you've spent a career uh, examining the best ways to communicate and to advocate uh, elected officials. And there's there's various ways to do it, as you as you know, and. Early on, we ventured down this road of okay. We've got forty thousand farmers in this state. If we could just get them to engage in any way, that could that will really move the needle. Um, you've been in elected officials' offices when their administrative assistants' phones are ringing, the emails are blowing up. if it, it it gets their attention, and that immediately gets the members' attention. So. Well, our, our initial approach was okay let's let's go down this route i don't love form letters but they get attention and i think there's a time for doing that we've got 23,000 of our people signed up where they you know we advertise three clicks and you can communicate with your elected official you know we we're going to have the pre-written letter that gets attention but it's not as effective as quality communications. So we, we we think of it in terms of quantity and quality. And, you know, when you're in the last day and you need a big push the day before the bill is scheduled for a vote, yeah, you can push the button and get 23,000 or, or activate the email campaign. And that's good to hopefully push you over the edge, but you never get to that point without quality communications. And our goal is to, to, to work with our members and we start with young farmers and everyone we talk to, the, the goal is to develop that personal relationship where I can pick up my cell phone and I can text my elected official and they know we've got a relationship. Okay. And there's a communication there. They're very busy. You don't need to call them and keep them on the phone for 45 minutes. You can, sometime, you can do that in the off season and develop that relationship for when you need to activate it, and it's uh, it, it needs to be a respectful relationship. You need to say thank you. They need to hear thank you. And you know the whole you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. We the approach needs to be respectful. You need to develop that relationship for when it's time to cash in on it.
0: And and each individual elected policymaker uh, uh, weighs things differently. You know. A phone call to the office may be worth a certain score. A form letter is worth a certain score, but the personal story or the visit or the relationship, and each one ramps up to a different level. And they know the impact because they know how often people don't reach out to them on the everyday issues that happen. And then all of a sudden things blow up in front of them. Uh, That gets their attention quite quickly. And and
1: I've seen it blow up in the offices. I've been sitting in there, and mean, the common person may think blow up is hundred and fifty phone. I mean, the phone's constantly. It may take four or five key people, maybe sometimes not even that many. And then their minds, they get real, they get real squirrely, is what I would say. I mean, they get ner- it makes them nervous, it gets right. their attention, and they think this is a big issue. I've gotten four calls from people that I respect and have a relationship with that is it's, it's almost that's all it takes to move the needle right. and in their mind that's blowing up but it's not much that's right
0: you're, you're absolutely right people don't realize that it, it doesn't take hundreds of thousands or millions uh, no. it, it just takes the right people at the right time with the right relationships uh, that are very respectful of each other. Um, That's right. What was the best professional tip you ever received in your career? Oh, oh Lord,
1: um, God, I could start with all the various cliches, you know, don't burn a bridge. Um, uh, listen more than you talk. Um, I, I don't, God, that's a tough one um,
0: no, I almost I almost think that it was taught on the farm well my my dad, I probably was my dad one,
1: yeah. yeah I mean my dad I can still hear him in my my ear and I catch myself becoming my dad with my son <laughs> is uh you know through through hard work you can do anything um, it's it and we're blessed to live in a country where we're free to pursue and and do anything. There's nothing that holds us back as long as we're willing to put in the work to accomplish it. And, you know, maybe that's, I guess if there's ever been something that's, that I've tried to live my life by, that's been the most helpful because I I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I, you probably would agree with that already, but I, I'm not afraid to put in the work. And uh, I think most anybody that's willing to, to do those, put in what it takes to get there can accomplish anything. And that is the same thing with advocacy. It takes a little work and it takes a little time, but if you, if you dedicate it to that, you can accomplish anything.
0: So, so speaking of advocacy, as we're getting ready to close this down, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the word advocacy?
1: I think lobbying just because I've, I've, you know, I've been a registered lobbyist for 20 years. Um, it's, it's probably the more politically correct way of saying lobbying. Um, when, what I was, you know, early in my career and people would ask me, what do you, what do you do for a living? And well, I work in governmental affairs, blah, blah. They don't understand what that is. And you just say lobbyist, then, Sometimes I'd have to apologize, or <laughs> it's it's ranked somewhere in there between a used car salesman and a trial lawyer, you know. But um, I think advocacy is a good way of saying lobbying.
0: Um, yeah. yeah, you're using your voice as you started the show with talking about that. You know, time flies when you have a great guest, Jeffrey. And I I I know you're a busy, busy man, and I really appreciate that. Any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to add? um just thank you number 1 thank
1: you and i appreciate this opportunity i appreciate the the opportunity to talk a little bit about farm bureau as an organization and how instrumental i think over hit over time we have been in crafting policies and positions that have helped all of us on the farm um, and in agriculture and i guess the the importance of that is in how it relates to everyone because we all eat, uh, we all wear clothes that a lot of them are made out of cotton. We live in houses that are made from wood products. We need agriculture in our lives every day. And um, I I think through Farm Bureau, we we help preserve a lot of the things that people take for granted. Um, So um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about what we do and what we've done over the years and, and about the organization. So thank you, Mr. Roger.
0: You're more than welcome, Mr. <laughs> Jeffrey. Uh, <laughs> uh, how can people reach Georgia Farm Bureau for more information?
1: Uh, we've got a lot of information on our website at gfb.org. Uh, and if there's anything that I've said that might have sparked some uh, more interest or want to have a have a conversation about anything that's going on, they can call us at 1-800-342-1192.
0: That's wonderful. That's great to to share both of those vehicles uh, of doing that. Well, folks, that's a wrap of today's wonderful conversation with Jeffrey Harvey, Harvey, the Chief Administrative Officer at the Georgia Farm Bureau. Thank you, Jeffrey, for being on the show today. And I wish you and all of your farmer members all the best. Let's face it. Today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy organizations are stretched you need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard the rap index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders relationships and engagement power get past the noise know who your people know go to rapindex.com that's r-a-p-index.com and tell them roger sent you for a special offer If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcast and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. A big thank you to today's guest. I appreciate your time and the unwavering passion for advocacy you have. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now go out. And make it a better world.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, go to our website, VoicesinAdvocacy.com.